Hi everyone and welcome to the fifth episode of Digital Business Disruptors brought to you by Digital Savages. Today we're going to focus on distributed ledger technology for business. In the conversation with three professionals from the field, we're going to demystify distributed ledger technology for business and distinguish hype from reality. Welcome everybody to the fifth episode of Digital Business Disruptors, this time focusing on distributed ledger for business. And before we dive into the deep topic, a quick introduction from my side. Uh, My name is Amir Sabirovic. I'm a managing director of IW Connect, and I'm just going to host these three gentlemen are going to amaze us with their experience and expertise from the field. Uh, And thank you all for joining, although uh, it's Saturday. So guys, just before we dive into the depths of distributed ledger technology, could you please introduce yourself, starting with Adi, Ronald, and uh, Tobias? Um, yeah, thank you, Amir. So Adi Benari, um, I'm founder and CEO of a company called Applied Blockchain. Uh, we've been building blockchain technology solutions for over five years now. Uh, worked with a range of uh, large corporates and startups uh, in lots of different areas of business. Um, ranging from energy, banking, telecoms, transport, and so on, uh, and also working with uh, public blockchains uh, and cryptocurrencies as well. Um, prior to that, uh, I spent 20 years as a developer, leading development teams, and as a, an enterprise architect in telecoms, uh, in insurance, and then in banking before starting the company. Thank you. Okay, my name is Ronald Fong. I'm a co-founder of Middle and Twente. That's also a blockchain startup. Uh, In that startup, we realized a security token issuance platform uh, on basis of the blockchain. And next to that, uh, I'm running some other companies as well as uh, as founder and co-founder. And basically, I'm in the crypto scene since 2017. That's not that long yet. Uh, But I'm also involved in blockchain public blockchains like Cardano, uh, running a stake for uh, for them uh, to contribute to them as well. So that's a little Thank bit. Thank you, Ronald. <clears throat> yes, thanks, uh, Amir, and thanks for hosting this in the weekend. So my name is uh, Tobios. I'm the founder and CEO of uh, Cryo, and Cryo is a, a distributed technology studio that specializes in the design and development of uh, block, uh, digital ecosystems, and we use blockchain for that. And we uh, work for a variety of industries across the globe. I uh, have a second office in Singapore as well. And um, we're, um, yeah, and prior to that, I was studying actually. So uh, I founded this uh, directly after studying. And I know I'm here for my graduation project. And uh, he also sort of helped me uh, and kickstarted me uh, in a kick in the butt to, to do this. So thanks, Amir, for that. And uh, yeah, looking forward to the discussion. Thanks. Um, thanks, guys. So. <clears throat> Before I dive into the questions, I will read something from one of the outstanding newspapers uh, regarding technology. Um, Continued hype notwithstanding, enterprise DLT teams are focusing on realistic use cases and bringing existing projects closer to or into production. This means more emphasis on how frameworks perform and how well they integrate with existing systems and potentially each other. Permissioned versus public blockchain competition will heat up and reach executive teams and with multiple networks already existing for some of the most popular use cases, such as supply chain and trade finance. Proliferation will continue. So there is 
uh, when you read the messages um, throughout the world, uh, of course, distributed ledger technology has been with us for a while. Um, what is your opinion on this? How far are we on the Gartner uh, uh, hype cycle? Are we are we are we starting? Are we on the peak, or are we going through uh, the phase of uh, disillusion? Yeah, if I can take a stab on that. So, uh, my opinion is is that blockchain in itself is also a different kind of change, right? So, if, if you would normally implement an enterprise solution, it's one organization. But I think we all know that it's multiple organizations where you have to implement the solution. So implementing a, a software solution across multiple companies takes a lot of time. And uh, if you would compare it with an enterprise uh, ERP implementation, they also take a very long time. And I think the definition of production uh, is also uh, up for grabs, right? What is, what is production and, and what is bringing a blockchain solution into production? Is that having a pilot live running on the actual system or is it having uh, a process in a core business implemented and then running on blockchain, right? And um, I think if you look at our uh, our projects right now, we're now running live projects, live pilots. And this, these live pilots give us data before we actually start implementing it in actual solutions. So I would say uh, we're definitely maturing, but it takes time. Ronald, Adi, what's your view? Yeah, well, of course, uh, in the beginning, uh, blockchain was uh, overhyped. Uh, the technology was not ready, but if I look at the current ecosystem and also of the public blockchains, you can see real use cases uh, basically being deployed. And as I mentioned before, uh, my startup company built, built a basically a security token issuance platform that is already running for two years in production, basically. So it's uh, really possible to have uh, production-ready solutions uh, available uh, right now. Uh, but still, there's a lot to develop, and especially uh, what Tobias said, if you want to run a blockchain over multiple companies, uh, then the situation becomes a little bit different uh, because you need also interoperability uh, between different systems and the blockchain uh, to build solutions on top of that. And that's taking some time, uh, but I'm very confident basically that blockchain will change our financial world. Uh, that's my opinion about it. Uh, I'll jump in. So I think, I think we're very, very early. Uh, and I think the, the, the real production at the moment is the cryptocurrency space. Where, where we see some really infra interesting infrastructure being built out and tested out in the wild, as we did at the very beginning with Bitcoin, but I think we're seeing more and more of that now with decentralized finance and interesting applications that are providing really uh, financial infrastructure plumbing, which I think is, uh, is, is really, really great and interesting and, and starting to scale. Um, in the enterprise space, I think it's very different. I think we're super early. Uh, I think, uh, as Tobias said, it's very difficult for organizations to get their head around working in a, in a, in, in a group environment. Uh, different stakeholders want different things and, and who invests and who gets something out of it and who wins and who loses and so on. Uh, and then blockchain itself, people read many different benefits into it, which are not always uh, real value that they're going to get from the system. Uh, so I think there have been a lot of tests, there have been a lot of experiments. Uh, and I think now we're starting to see more rational projects. Uh, for me, it's mainly about the, the lessons we've learned um, are that it's really, it's primarily an asset registry uh, and a place for managing assets and asset ownership. Uh, that's really the optimal 
use for it, I think, and then any business logic and application that sits on top of that. When we see things like supply chain and, and, and work on these types of projects, we've moved away from having data on a blockchain. And uh, we now, like I said, we really treat it as a, a place where you have group security and integrity, but really primarily for assets and things, and le less so for data. Um, and I think there's a long, 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 long way to go. So <clears throat> what is the main reason for that? So one of the one of the things that I was really wondering is that everybody refers to distributed ledger technologies, and I believe they are very, as blockchain, everything is blockchain. So why is that confusion going on? And, and how many different technologies are there? I mean, the, the, the mainstream, I would say that they're really, that you guys are actually um, uh, using or, or, or platforms or ledgers that you're building on. And another one is uh, maybe uh, uh, tied to that. Does, does the knowledge gap on the enterprise level had to do with fast adaptation and implementation? Because they expect that it's plug and play. Uh, I, I, I'll, I'll jump in for this one. So um, for me, the, the, the principle of the technology is group security. That, that's really what it's about. That's why it's a great place to, to know where your assets are being recorded. Right? It's group security of the historical records. It's not group security of access to data. It's just group security of, of the historical records. Um, and I think that, that principle holds across all the different implementations that we see. Public, private, quarter, fabric, whatever. Uh, and then it's a question of where, where do you need that group security? Where does it really add value? Uh, and for large organizations, it's difficult because they've invested billions in their own infrastructure. And to start saying it's not secure is, uh, is a bit of a problem. Um, so, so, so there's a bit of a quandary, um, and so uh, you know we, we have these consortia. They're quite slow moving, but they are laying facts on the ground. Um, some of the projects which we see, you know, blockchain was really um, a, a, a leverage, if you like, to actually make a digital change, and and, and it kind of kicked things into motion. Uh, but that doesn't mean that everything that's being done within that project necessarily benefits directly from the blockchain pattern. Uh, but like I said, it's early days. Yeah, yeah but we'll add to that from what I totally agree with Adi. Uh, but if you're able to get that group security and, and the asset registry across multiple organizations, um, such a simple thing can bring so much value as they are having problems that they're not able to solve on, their, on themselves. And, and what we have been seeing over the past years, we started as a mostly as a technology company, right? Doing a lot of development, POCs and experiments. But over the course of the past two to three years, we have also developed a very large design team, for example. And this design team is also very focused on actually designing this system change. Uh, that means that you have to have multiple parties in one room, both on a strategic level and actual sort of implementation level. And we have so many different workshops and, and sessions understanding why they need such a system and how they should solve these kind of things. And, and we see a large trend, for example, in, in sustainability as sustainability is a, is a supply chain problem. It's not a single company problem. It's a, it's a problem that has to be solved across multiple parties and they have to share data in order to. And um, therefore, uh, the reason why it's going so slow is both on the technology, technological level, but also on this design aspect and the actual implementation of this, uh, this solution. And yeah, the, the, the sort of nuance between distributed ledger, blockchain, or whatsoever. Um, it's, it's, it's a distributed system that you're trying to build, or at least a distributed database. Uh, and you can uh, tweak it or you can enhance it with many different technologies to make it more blockchain or make it less blockchain. But in the end, an enterprise system such as, for example, we're designing, blockchain is an important element, but it's just 15 to 20% of the total application. And I think that's also what people need to understand. It's not only... The hype is blockchain, but it's definitely not all blockchain. 
And, um, and I think there are also certain elements, for example, as privacy tech, and I think Adi knows more about it than me, um, which in specific already bring a lot of value to certain elements in these, uh, in these companies. So, um, yeah. I agree with that, uh, that the systems are basically uh, just a, uh, a very small percentage is blockchain. Uh, we're dealing with smart contracts and basically uh, you are talking about enterprise-based solutions, uh, cloud-native solutions. There's a lot of work to be done over there. And that's the heavy lifting that needs to be done. And uh, well, people don't don't understand that, I think. And next to that, uh, there's also the confusion of uh, many different blockchains. What is the differentiator between the several public blockchains? Uh, so it's a very crowded space. And uh, well, you need to be aware of what is going on. What are the projects that, that are going forward, making changes and uh, well, it's a long road, like Adi said, uh, but we will definitely get there. That's that's my convincement uh, about blockchain. And uh, oh, I can understand <coughs> that it's difficult. It's also difficult cryptocurrency to get in, uh, into that, uh, downloading a wallet, dealing with uh, your uh, private key, your public key. It's all very confusing. It's not uh, that it's that is ready for mainstream, I would say making people it's, very easy to enter the enter the space could you could you say it it is like you built a website 20 years ago you had to know all these kinds of things and now it's drag and drop yeah although uh, although i would say we have passed that stage so in in the, in the public blockchain space i would definitely say we have passed that stage if you look at a coinbase wallet the coinbase wallet is just as simple as your your bank account right yeah. Well, the only thing that you have to think about is that you have to store your public key and, and those kind of things and the way how you secure it in, in a slightly different manner than your bank uh, bank details. Um, well, yeah. I agree with that, that there are many mobile solutions that make it very easy, but still there is the confusion about cryptography, about keys, how you store your information secure, and that actually also needs education uh, to, be, to get mass adoption for that, I would say. Yeah. But I think it will take half a year before we abstract that away from that because I think a lot of people not, are not even aware of what happens when you send an email, right? There's also encryption. There's also a lot of things <laughs> going on behind the click of a send button. Take a matter of time before that's gone. I think the, the, the other thing to consider, I mean, the, the, the end game here is really uh, having digital money that we can move around, that we can program, right? That we can have um, business logic applied to it in a way that we don't have to trust anyone, that we can move assets around in the same way digitally with rules applied to them and we can bring those two things together and move money one way and assets the other only when certain rules are, 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 are triggered and fulfilled and so on right so so that's the end game and that's that that could bring really a lot of efficiency to a lot of businesses and business scenarios and and also consumer scenarios so that's where we all want to get to and in the cryptocurrency world you can see a stable coin and a digital asset and you can do that already and that's why the plumbing and the infrastructure there is really interesting in the business world, yeah, we can, we can represent an asset on a, uh, let's say, a limited distributed ledger, but that's probably not even the legal representation of the ownership of the asset, right? So when you move the asset, you go and have to talk to the lawyers to do a lot of paperwork to exchange documents in the background. Uh, or if we want to move money, we still have to go and put it into the ERP system, into the payment run, and it has to be reconciled across the bank account movement. So blockchain in, in, in business is still on, on the outside with all these other systems actually managing the money and the assets and so on, 
Uh, and so we, we all this benefit that we that we that we hope we'll get is still we're still quite far away from it. Yeah. Right? That's why we have we have these projects set up and we, we mimic a business process and maybe we actually implement it. But because we're not doing the asset and the money movement and, and integrating those and digitizing those and securing those, we're not getting all of that benefit that people perceive when they think about blockchain. Yes, yeah, so, so that that also means that business understanding is not mature yet how much or what the part of blockchain can be to add value to it. But, but I mean, I don't know if it's understanding because people often get it, right? And that's why they'll trigger the business project, right? They'll say, oh, this could transform my industry or this, 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 could, this will be transformative, right? And I want to be the first one to do this. But the challenges, uh, the legal, regulatory, organizational challenges of dealing with the digital money that's not, in a, in a, that's not directly in the, bank, in the banks that you deal with today. I mean, go to a corporate and, and go to the treasury department and start talking about any other way of dealing with uh, the, the payments. You know, that, that's, that, that's what we're up against. Yeah, but that's, that's actually all thinking, trying to fit in the new solutions and technologies. So in, to my understanding, I mean, uh, the traceability that, uh, that comes with these kinds of projects, it can be applied, I mean, uh, for fair trade, that you exactly know uh, where, where any kind of product or part of the product or ingredient comes from, or uh, logistics and supply chain, and Tobias also said, or manufacturing for mat that matter, that you could have the traceability of each product and part. Uh, so, I mean, I'm, I'm setting financial institution aside because that's kind of a no-brainer <laughs> where the benefit there is. But I mean, in the, uh, in the physical world, I can see so many applications, and yet, even though you guys actually can help these, I mean, you're already doing it, but there is no mass adoption because if I understood you correctly, uh, a company is not only operating on its own. So they have their suppliers and um, they have their customers. So they need to integrate with those two. They have to be willing to integrate with, uh, with the solution that you're actually proposing. So you have multiple stakeholders. And if one of them builds out, actually the total value of your solution is uh, decreasing. Yeah, so I think a lot of people are talking about traceability and transparency, and there's a, uh, and especially those two words are, are blabbered all over the web. But the most important thing is what is the impact of transparency and and uh, uh, and being more transparent and having something traced. It, it's a very big impact, right? If you're a supplier and you're going to share information about where you, is, uh, your stuff is and, and you need to send it, um, what part of of, of the of that specific shipment are you going to share and why do you need to share it and if you share it what's the next party going to do with it and um, what we're seeing is that uh, there's, a, there's a big privacy issue here and the reason why so is that there is commercial interest with these shipments right so and what we are doing is that every part of the supply chain we fully analyze and look at the benefits and and try to challenge the people what this transparency is going to bring them and if you can imagine if you have a large supply chain this will take time because the technology works, right? You are able to track assets, which, which Adi already mentioned, right? You, you are able to register that and you put it in a blockchain and have the rest of the metadata on a different place, but only the impact of it is still unclear. And, and that's in the phase where we are right now is uh, defining that impact. And if, if a business is gonna change, make people aware how it's gonna change and continue on this and slowly but easily start implementing uh, single parts of this, uh, this solution. And, and that's my opinion why it's taking so long. Although if you have implemented something and it works uh, 
according to all the requirements, there is a lot of value to be captured, actually. Yeah. If I understand you correctly, sorry, Adi, um, uh, what, you're, what you're needing for this is trust. I mean, if you're fully transparent with each other, I mean, business-wise, then so, you have... Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, so, that, that, so that's what I was going to talk to. So uh, I think Tobias is absolutely right. And something that he said earlier as well was that this is a type of database. Now, think about a database as, you know, it's just storing stuff. Right, so what are you putting in and, and who's putting it in? Right, the only thing that blockchain is adding here is the fact that once it's in, it's difficult to change. Right, but how do we know what goes in and who's putting it and how reliable it is? So, if I, if I go to the supermarket, do I trust the supermarket if they tell me this is organic and organically grown, or do I trust the manufacturer if they tell me, or do I trust some devices, some sensors, which are machines manufactured by? Some, many, some, some other company where their sensors said that they've tracked the product and, and it's got certain properties. So, it, so, so the blockchain is only a one small part of this. It just says that once the records are there, they can't change. But the, 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 the really difficult thing here is in these supply chains, they're very complex and there's lots of different parties and they all have different levels of technology awareness and capability. And so to trust the information, to know that the end product's got certain qualities that you're looking for as a consumer, that data needs to be captured in a reliable way, in a trustworthy way, maybe in an automated way by sensors and machines that would be difficult to modify and corrupt, and then store directly into a, into, into a blockchain where you could verify that the data was authentic and hadn't changed and had been put in by who you thought it was, and so on. So it's not just magic, hey, put it in a blockchain and now you've got transparency. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Exactly. So the the input is also very important, and what you're saying is who is controlling the controlling party. Where, where's, where's, the data controlling... Where's, the, where's the data from? Where can the, where, where can the, the falsehoods or corruption come in? Right. So a manufacturer might be, you know, they might be motivated to put in false information. Yeah. So the fact that it's stored on the blockchain doesn't help you. Right. So and, and there's actually two sides of the coin here because I totally agree with Adi. And in one way. Um, you, would, you could also argue that uh, due to the fact that you're able to input this data, maybe it's not incorrect data, when you store it in this system, you're not able to change it. So let's, let's um, for example, let's take a situation where this has happened four weeks ago. We were able to go back to that, that part where it went wrong and nobody could have changed it. So you could actually finger point, okay, this is where it happened, who did this, and et cetera. So there's two sides, right? You need to know what input goes in and make sure it's right. But if it's not right, and you can look back, and that's also what, what this system uh, can bring. Um, but it's, it's the physical to digital bridge, which makes it very difficult. I get it. So there is, there is a missing uh, data input validation on correctness before mm -hmm. it goes in. Once it is inputted in the blockchain, then you, know, you cannot change it. So the traceability can be very precise. But actually, the missing piece here is that data has to come from somewhere. And if you're talking about traceability of food or products or whatever, the party inputting the data has to be like 100% trustworthy. And how do you get there? But, but, there's, but, but there's extensions to blockchain. I mean, blockchain is, is underpinned by cryptography. And, and cryptography uh, allows us to, to, ha to have this traceability, to know that data hasn't changed. So, for example, a manufacturer could digitally sign the record, the serial number, the whatever it is that goes in. There could be sensors, temperature checks, uh, geo, you know, location sensors, all sorts of sensors that could be checking quality and other things that the, where the device itself might have a key that signs the data that it's captured and stores it on the blockchain. And on the blockchain, you can verify that uh, you can have proof that the data has come from that device and it hasn't changed since then. So no human could interfere with that, right? 
So it's those kind of things where the trust, you know, people think about blockchain, they think about what they're getting from it, and they make a lot of assumptions. But you really have to go down to the detail to, to, to make sure and implement all of this stuff to make sure that what you're getting is actually what you think. Yeah, but that goes to the strategic decision making. It's also where yeah. complexity comes in as well. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, and, and guys, when you, when you look at your own company, so you all three of you have owned startups in distributed ledger technology. So how do you deliver the business value from various aspects? What is, if, if there are a few points that you say, this is how we deliver value, how, how would you describe that? Yeah, for us, if I, if I um, what I already mentioned earlier, right? I think that's the design, right? Making sure that before you start writing code, you can agree upon how it's gonna you, how it's going to work, how it's, you're going to interact with the system. So we totally design the system and then start coding once the customers have agreed about everything. Instead, we immediately start coding. And then in the meantime, oh, we need to make design changes because sometimes one design, particular design change, which was just mentioned by Adi, if you have like this complex chain and you change one variable of this, that means you need to change the whole concept, whole design, everything. So what we do is make sure before you start coding that that all works and that's how we deliver our value. And then when you paste the code in it, then it works. Uh, and I think that's our unique uh, unique factor in this. Yeah, Ronald? Yeah, for, for us, it's the same. Basically, it's the, the whole architect of the solution, the security, uh, like mentioned before, it's it's not the blockchain is just a smart contract. It's a very small part of the total solution. And it comes to the total solution where you're delivering the value. I think for us, sorry, it's um, first of all, it's an honest an, uh, analysis of what technology is actually needed to solve a particular problem, right? So we have a lot of, you know, people come to us, they want to do something on blockchain, and actually, it, it may it, it may be appropriate, it may not. They may be ahead of their time, they may be just at the right time, and and all the other factors are in place to get the value. So first of all, it's an, it's a it's a real honest uh, an analysis of of you know what are they? What are they looking to do here, and what are they? What are they going to get? Um, and I think that's why some of our customers work with us because there is, you know, there's a lot of material in the space, and you could get the impression that you could just about do anything. So I think you really need a rational, uh, pragmatic uh, analysis. Uh, and the second thing is like anything in life, experience. So there's experience that you get. There's knowledge that you get from reading material, and there's experience that you get from getting burnt, from falling over, from tripping up, from getting things wrong, from things not working. Yeah. Uh, and we've done a few of those, so we won't make the same mistakes again for the next customer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. there, there, there are a lot of pilots and a lot of crashes. <laughs> Agreed. And how do you build? How do you build, or how do you make a conclusive business case when you're when you're talking about this? I mean, a part of the a part of the uh, the the architecture and the infrastructure and the solution. I mean, at the end. I assume that enterprises is every investment they have to, to make, they're looking at return on investment or how it's going to benefit. So either their process or they bring value or whatever. So is it hard to for, for companies to make a conclusive business case for, for applying any kind of solution that you guys are offering? Or do you help them with that as well? We do, we help them with that, but I think Sometimes it's actually quite quick these, when you see the value, like the process optimization and the process changes and et cetera. 
only uh, the, the route to get there. So you can make the calculation and you can see that there is a lot of value and you can see that the money is going to be saved. Only the, the route that takes you to get there uh, is quite long and significant. Um, so you need to have a customer that puts that trusts the process actually and is behind you while you're doing this. And um, so if, if you look at us, so most of the value that's being created is indeed process optimization. Um, and then the second one is the future value. And the future value is more of a, of a promise, right? You sell this as a promise. And then this promise is actually quite, quite high, which means like, what can you do if you have this group security and this asset registry and all this information availability um, which you're currently not having, what can you do with the data and how can you even enhance more business processes or even create new business models? And, and that's more of a promise, I would say. Um, for, from our perspective, first of all, we're seeing different types of customers now than we saw two or three years ago, right? So people are coming to us, I think, in, in a much more mature yeah. uh, state. So smaller companies and, and startups and people who, uh, we're getting companies that, you know, I talked about assets earlier. We're, we're seeing these types of projects now where people really know what they're doing. Um, and they know why they're using this technology and they know the benefit they're going to get from it. Uh, so that, that, that's really amazing to see now. Um, with, with larger companies, I think it's, it's, it's still quite a challenge because they can typically only make an improvement at the process level. They can't, it, it's very difficult to move to the assets or the money. And so it's, uh, it, it's usually, you know, a lot of the benefit will come from the overall digitization and design of the solution rather than necessarily the blockchain part of it. That might be a stepping stone towards uh, some some bigger future. Yeah, and I think also one thing we didn't mention is basically that uh, we are living in a very developed world here in Europe uh, where a lot of systems are already implemented and solving certain problems. Uh, so there's no real direct need, let's say, to implement blockchain. But there are countries basically that don't have these systems in place. And that's where uh, blockchain can uh, make immediately a change. Uh, for example, uh, to have financial inclusion. There's a lot of countries in Africa where people cannot uh, have access to a bank account. Well, this is a typical use case uh, where you can implement blockchain to solve that uh, problem. And governments there are basically standing for the choice uh, basically to have a new system in place. So there could be a lot of value because you can check identity, etc., like like was mentioned before, very easily, and use that system to transact money. Yeah, they're they're having the giant leaps because there is a gap of 20, 20 years of technology gap behind um, the, the the if I can say it modern West. Uh, they say what is the best of the best of the best and just buy and implement it. So their financial systems, um, I believe, and, and PASA, is it not? Uh, the, uh, yeah, the telecom, the yeah, SMS thing. Yeah, okay. yeah you, you can buy and send money uh, over the phone. And, and just to, to, to add to that, if I, if I hear you guys and how you're helping the customers, it seems to me that you're like a new, new type of management consultancy where you do don't only, only bring uh, the value from uh, the business and uh, domain expertise size, but you also bring technology. So you don't only know the uh, business administration and how it's getting run, but you also can actually develop and design systems that can improve them significantly. So I, I, I can or, am to, I, or am I insulting you? You're insulting me. <laughs> no, there's, there's, there's something there. There's something there, right? And I, I can speak to us and then uh, obviously the, the, the other guys can give their view, but 
for me, you know, I've run the company for five years now, and we've got clients that have been with us for for a long for a while. And it, and it, it, you know, what I really want is long term relationships, right? As any business wants. And you're not going to get long term relationships if you give someone something that doesn't give them genuine value, right? They'll, they'll, they'll get to the point you've built it, and then and now what? Uh, so so I think if you don't do that exercise, that honest exercise of going through at the beginning and seeing where this is actually going to go. Then, then, I, then you know, I don't, I don't think, uh, you know, I don't think that's the right way to do it. So, so that's how we look at it. We look at making sure with the client they're building the right thing, and to do that, you have to, you have to step back, right? It's not just about building something. Uh, yeah. So it's it's trust. you you guys are trusted advisors. They rely on you to develop, and it's a, it's a joint effort. It's not only here you have it and uh, you know deliver us, but actually you're going hand in hand towards the solution and what Tobias said just previously, you're going towards a dot on the, uh, on the horizon, which is overpromising, but you know that it's going to take a while. It's not going to be overnight success, uh, you know? Yeah, and I, I totally agree with Adi. And um, you actually mentioned a good word and I think that's trusted advisor. So uh, some customers ask us is, what's your role in the project? Like uh, when you have multiple companies, we're sort of a uh, neutral party in the middle that is able to articulate the different requirements from company to company. And I think that makes us a little bit different than in the existing uh, companies. And um, we always work for multiples of them. And uh, we have always believed that uh, just defining a strategy and then throwing it over the fence is not going to work. And especially with these kind of new things and uh, disruptive uh, plans. So um, we've chosen to both go from strategy to design, to development, and facilitate the whole process uh, over the over the long run, and indeed build those long, sustainable um, uh, relationships. And we also believe that uh, the industry should do it by themselves. So, uh, if there is a group of companies, um, of course we're supporting them, but the initiative should be carried by the industry. So that's why we we go according to for the industry and by the industry. Although we're helping them, they need to carry it, they need to implement it, they need to convince their partners to join. Uh, and that's our philosophy. Yeah, and one of the things, of course, it's never about the technology. Uh, technology can solve uh, problems. Uh, and if there are problems with the technology, they, they will be solved. Uh, so it's never about the technology, it's always about the value that the solution brings for the client. And that's basically people. Who do that? Also, an, an interesting example of that we see is, um, you know, Device mentioned data privacy as well. So we, we, we kind of learned a lot about, again, uh, cryptography that's used for blockchain. We, we, we then looked at privacy and, and the fact that you've got a group of entities and what can they share and what can't they and how can we verify yet hide what we need to hide and so on. So, so we focused in that area. Um, and it's interesting because as a technologist, something's either private and sensitive or it's okay for everybody to see it. Right? So we, we kind of work in a binary world. Uh, in the real world, it's not like that. Right? One, one guy's private thing might be something really interesting to the other, and, one, and, and something that's perfectly open and public to, to someone else might be, private, might be really sensitive to, to, to some other parties. So these things are, are always more complicated than just the technology. Yeah, the human part is, of course, I think technology is always patient, right? <laughs> I think the, the human factor is always... Uh, uh, there, there's, I, I don't know, you know this meme, and then you have, like, uh, uh, on the left corner, we have quantum uh, uh, algorithm for security, privacy, blah, blah, blah. In the right corner, we have Dave, human error. <laughs> so, you know, there is always, when, when people are in the process and they're they're doing something with the technology, there will always be gaps in their um, 
and and of course errors because we are prone to errors rather i mean not the technology is infallible that <laughs> i'm not <laughs> i'm not saying that that is the case but you know when you combine those two and both are not good uh, then you have a bigger issue hey, uh, uh, guys what do you think um are the next industries and let's say you know uh, this whole pandemic uh, uh, brought a very, very high speed to digitalization, digital transformation, the companies accepting the new normal of working from home or living at work. What industries would you foresee that are going to adopt these kinds of solutions in very fast pace, given the current situation? Let's say 2021, 2022. So not something about 10 years, but just what, what is going to happen right now? What do you see? I, I wouldn't say any specific industry, but I think the topic of sustainability and then looking towards uh, data disclosure, right? What's one of the problems in sustainability is the actual data disclosure of, of, of um, carbon uh, carbon capturing, carbon output, uh, carbon offsets, and those kind of things, right? Um, the current infrastructure to, to maintain, record, and validate these kinds of uh, data points uh, in my eyes, is going to be a big, big topic in the upcoming uh, 40 to 15 years. And existing technology is not able to solve it. So therefore, we need new um, uh, data disclosure systems in to enable this. Uh, and it sounds very high level because it's, it's actually in, 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 in on the go. But I think that's going to be uh, a big change for the upcoming uh, 10 to 15 years. For, for me, there's two other areas. Um, one is money. So I think we, we've kind of come full circle where we started with Bitcoin, which is what that really was supposed to be. And then we explored all these other areas of uh, using blockchain to solve really all the other world's problems. Uh, and I think we're coming back to money in the sense that um, we, have, we, we have serious efforts by lots of central banks uh, looking at, uh, at the technology. Yeah. Um, we have obviously e evolution of the technology in the, in the cryptocurrency space. Um, we have... Uh, Facebook and uh, DM, as it's now called, uh, with, with a potentially uh, explosive implementation, uh, given their user base. Uh, so th this, th these are all implementations of digital money. And so we could, like I said, go full circle. And actually, that could be the thing that moves maybe faster than people expect it to. Uh, and that will, of course, lay the foundation for everything else. So that, that's one area. Uh, and for, for central bank digital currency, of course, it's different uh, for different, uh, depending on how developed the, the economies are and, and how they're governed and so on. So obviously, smaller jurisdictions can, uh, and less developed jurisdictions can do quite a lot. Obviously, the bigger ones uh, move, move at a different pace, but, but still, it's interesting. Um, the other area we see is markets. So markets are natural, uh, um, you know, group uh, uh, collaboration, collaboration uh, scenarios. And again, you can see in the cryptocurrency world uh, how it's being mirrored there and how we have, you have uh, decentralized exchanges and we have, uh, like I said, DeFi and, and these other things. And so I think um, we, could, we could potentially see some of this spilling over into, a, a, in, in, into, the, into the business world. Yeah, I agree with that. I think also finances are still a big, big issue of, uh, of the blockchain movement or with cryptocurrencies trading. Uh, and that will definitely see uh, its movement in the real world. Yeah, so <clears throat> in the financial yeah. world, I think that's a, that's a that's a really good overview. Hey guys, um, I one more. I think if, if if you're able to. Uh, yeah, yeah, of course, of course. I think in in addition to uh, what Adi said about money, and I think there's one space in in crypto that is uh, very interesting to me, and I think that's the gaming space, and because uh, we have been seeing. 
digital gold. People are using digital gold in World of Warcraft and any type of other game to, to trade. And there's actually a real economy behind it. Accounts are being sold for a lot of money. The only problem that they had is that it was a central party, you know, maintaining this system. And this is a perfect use case for, for tokens, right? So you can uh, both for non-fungible and fungible tokens is that you can create a currency for it, but you can also create digital scarcity through ERC721. Um, so not, that's not, technicality is not interesting, but it's rather that you can create scarcity in a, in a digital environment. And I, I see a lot of development and actual companies that are making great revenues and great profits even, on implementing these solutions on public blockchain services, uh, public blockchain systems. And uh, I think that's also a space to definitely uh, look for. At least that's what I find interesting. I don't know how the rest are thinking about it, but yeah. I think that's uh, that's a world apart uh, when you come to gaming industry and what goes on there, you know, um, uh, from advertising to marketing to buying and tying the physical product to the non-physical products. And then if you can uh, combine that with what you, what you just said, Tobias, I think then, you have a virtual market which is limitless, right? Uh, I mean, yeah, and and that's what Ari said. Uh, <clears throat> hey, um, this is this is all awesome. Where should companies start? How should they start? What what is their so, so? What would be the process? I mean, uh, other than calling you guys, of course, that's that's the easiest part. But when you when let's assume there is a company, whether it's an accounting or processing industry, whatever. What would be the first step to start thinking whether you know it's even applicable? So what what you would you advise them? What is the process to get to? I'm 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 considering using any kind of distributed ledger technology for something. Um, what would be what would be the process to that? Yeah, I, I can take a step at that one. So uh, for us, it's uh, as mentioned before. First of all, challenging the customer if they're really up for it and challenging if, if it is the right technology. So it's it's a it's an effort between both of, uh, for example, Cryo and the, and the customer. But once we pass that, then we use a method uh, over the course of a design, uh, design week uh, sort of workshop where we have multiple days designing this solution uh, or this opportunity into a solution. And what that gives you at the end is basically uh, 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 an interface and the interface shows basically the, the use case of, of that particular opportunity slash uh, solution. And uh, what we ask the customer is to actually invite their partners, uh, suppliers and whatsoever to pitch them the solution and gather feedback. And while you're doing this, you can understand if they're interested to join or if they see value or not. And we've had multiple of these kind of workshops where at the end of the workshop we have said, okay, customers are not willing to join us. They're not interested in this project, so let's kill it. But in, in other uh, projects, we've seen that they are very interested. And once you've get the, once you've got that actual validation on the solution, that means you're you have something uh, that is interesting to them, and you can continue. And then the whole project setup goes. So so instead of immediately starting a very big project, uh, we first test and validate, um, and then go into a larger exercise. And that that's uh, really our method. So actually joining all stakeholders stakeholders together, seeing what are the giving the problems, and then starting to jointly think about what yeah. are the possible solutions. I mean, the lean startup uh, way, yeah. like, yeah, okay. Yeah. <clears throat> I would say, um, first of all, get an understanding of the technology. Um, so learn the basics, uh, don't believe the hype. Uh, talk, probably talk to one of us, to someone, like, to, to someone like us who can give you a pragmatic view of what's real and what isn't and where, where the benefits are. Um, and then take a blank sheet of paper 
uh, and imagine your industry with this technology that you just learnt about and other technologies that we have today, AI and so on, applied, right? And see what, the, what that blank sheet of paper turns into, right? What could your industry look like in 10 years' time if you could just slot it into all this technology, right? What would be the benefits? What would be the efficiencies? What would change? Uh, and that, that, that's, that for me is really the starting point because if you understand that and those efficiencies really are there, that they're probably going to happen to your industry, right? <clears throat> So, so, where, so how do you fit into that? Step. Who's going to do it? What's in the way? And, and what are the steps exactly? I agree with that. Uh, basically, I think for, for everybody who wants to leverage blockchain, they should understand what blockchain is about. Uh, what, what kind of problems can you solve with that? And for that, uh, basically, you have to dive a little bit deeper in, into the technology to find out what kind of use cases it can handle. And on basis of that, you have to come up with an idea how that can be applied for your industry or for your business. And if okay, you so don't have any idea, you're just consulting with somebody, of course. Uh, I, I'm thinking that's not good, uh, good enough as a starting point for, for your business. So otherwise, you would be a, a, a hammer looking for a nail. So you have a technology and let's see which, which problem it can solve. But if, if I gather your insights and where the company should start, is um, actually doing some research on their own on various, uh, not only blockchain, but also what is data analytics, artificial intelligence, quantum, I mean, what is impacting their industry in general. And then uh, looking from the problem perspective and when they want to move. And once they get a sense where they could actually have some efficiency and benefit from process or business value, then they can start moving and they shouldn't do it their own. Or I mean, they can, of course, but, um, uh, giving, giving also what Tobias and you also referred, you're a trusted, unbiased advisor. So you don't take sides. You give the best solution for all parties or none solu no, no solution at all. Um, would, that, would it summarize it? Or would you like to add something to it? Yeah, of course. Uh, like Adi mentioned before, we, we've all learned from mistakes. So we have made mistakes. And... Uh, well, if you're jumping into this technology and starting from scratch, you're going to make those mistakes also. <laughs> it's better to consult that, this party exactly. than we have made these mistakes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Great. Hey, guys, uh, we're moving into uh, the Q&A. I have a wonderful question for you, but I will, uh, I will let us attendees uh, ask for. But uh, um, just uh, as a closure, do you have final thoughts? on everything that we have discussed, like a, a key takeaway for our audience. What I find funny, because I know Adi already for quite a, quite a few years, and uh, I think we have seen, like, grown our companies over the past few years, and also have seen the technology change over the years, and seen our companies and value proposition change over the years, and I'm actually quite happy to see that, you know, we're very much aligned on where this industry is going, because there's there were so many companies in the beginning, but there's just a few mm -hmm. left at the moment, and... Uh, yeah, I'm actually quite proud where we are right now, but it's it's definitely not a done done game, I would say. Uh, yeah, it's good to see that. I I'm, yeah, I'm very happy to see that. Well, that means that you guys are on the right track because you know it's always like that. Everybody starts at the same time, but you know the guys that are moving forward and shifting gears, actually developing the company, not staying rigidly on the wrong track that uh, that survive. You have to adapt to the situations. Yeah, I hope this is a reflection of uh, what I alluded to earlier, which is, and the others have mentioned, we, we, we had a lot of hype at the beginning. There was, there was a lot of nonsense as well. And, and really, a lot of that was filtered out. 
Uh, and you know, we, there's there's some of us that survived, and uh, and I think that's because of because there's some real value coming through now, uh, and some real interesting projects. So I yeah. think what I would say is to people: don't just look at all the promises that were made at the beginning and just think of it as a binary thing. Um, you know, I, I always give the example of AI because you know, I'm, as I said, I had I've got, I had 20 years experience when I was at university. We learned uh, we learned AI, and and the the basics and fundamentals. Talking 30 years ago, were very similar to what we're doing with machine learning today. What most companies are doing, and it, it it took those 20 years for companies to actually start using AI internally in any kind of meaningful way, right? But the technology was was there, and that's an easy technology because you just need to use it on your own data, right? It's not you don't have all of this group dynamic and and uh, having to collaborate with others and, and all the complexities associated with that. So this stuff takes time. Doesn't mean the value is not there. The value is there. Yeah. Ronald, any oh, no, I final thoughts? I, I cannot agree more. The value is there, but uh, of course, uh, people have to adopt it. And that's the thing. They have to start somewhere. And that's a lot of uh, enterprise companies uh, basically, of course, are interested, but haven't done uh, their deep dive yet. Uh, so it comes all to doing things and thinking about how you can do them uh, to solve certain problems. And, uh, well, that needs a first step to be taken. And that's, of course, hard. Uh, it is always the case uh, with companies. You have companies that are running on front uh, on new technology, and you have the ones who are waiting. And, uh, well, you can wait uh, till the last moment, but probably you won't get the advantages of this. Thank you, guys. I think that's uh, that's a beautiful final thought. We can move to uh, uh, questions and answers from you guys. So to our audience, if you have any questions, uh, drop them uh, on the chat or in the Q&A. Um, in between, because I don't see anybody typing, I would like to ask you guys a question. So Adi, I don't know how, how, how know you are, but I know that Ronald and Tobias probably are. We had this whole admission affair, which led people to bankruptcy. Uh, they had to pay uh, money back to tax authority and so on and so on, destroyed lives, etc. cetera. Uh, how solvable are these kinds of things tied to uh, what do you what do you need to get from the tax authority and what do you need to pay to tax authority using distributed ledger technology? In my perception, that problem, like dividing the capital between various parties from the early start, when you get your paycheck and then everything gets distributed, should be easily done. Or am I awfully mistaken? So you're, you're talking about uh, just general... Uh... Payroll, tax, tax collection, tax avoidance, that type of... Uh, yeah, yeah. People got, people got money uh, for their children in the Netherlands and uh, they got too much money that would stamp like crooks. So they need to pay, pay it back, get some fines. And so, so it was... A and and the, the, the biggest fault here is that the government made a mistake that wasn't true. Okay, so it's, it's very, I mean, it's a super interesting uh, question. It's probably very political as well. Uh, I was reading a paper yesterday about the, the digital currency in China. Uh, and, and, and in China, yeah, they're, going, they're going full steam ahead. Uh, it's not necessarily using blockchain technology, but I think it's, it's trying to achieve similar goals. Uh, but of course, uh, the, it, one of the main things is that the state will get full visibility of every Yuan that moves from wherever it moves, right? And, uh, and then you have your perfect system for tax collection and, and, and so on. But 
you know, people obviously lose their privacy. Yeah. <laughs> so. It definitely digital money will definitely solve the problem I'm here but then we can come back to control and and privacy right and then yeah. what do we want do we want to be fully controlled or do we want yeah the reason why it was invented was because anarchist people wanted to lose control yeah, yeah I, I, I was just thinking is this yeah. is this this whole tax authority to my understanding it's it's a big inefficient system i mean if i understand you're, you're, it correctly no, you're, you're absolutely right you're absolutely right but and, and also you know we talked about the privacy technology and, and tobias touched on this as well you, you can kind of mix the things now so you could say you know maybe china wants it all that wants to seal the information but maybe a, a different state might have a different view and might say okay there's certain things that we need to know about and there's other things we don't care about right so you might have a privacy preserving system that just flags certain types of activity uh, so that that you know that might well be where we end up, right? And then you get the digital, the the, the state gets the assurance that they want, uh, and you and you still get your privacy. That might be wh where we end up. Uh, but it's it, you know all it takes is the state to change. You know, the, 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 yeah. like I it's said, it's political. Earlier, it has compliance. Pri pri privacy isn't a black or white thing either. Right? I I, uh, I think you guys answered my question, and and I'm gl very glad to say that we are having uh, questions from our audience uh, as well. So we have three questions. So one coming from Dennis Beshley. I thank you for your question. The way audit firms, big four, for example, provide assurance will be affected by blockchain because the way business businesses collect, store, and report financial information will change. What advice would you give to the big four audit firms for the coming years? For example, what skill is needed for the future? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm teaching my kids coding, whether they like it or not. <laughs> that, should, that should be obvious for everyone, right? Um, but uh, we, we've, it's interesting. We've done a lot of work with, with different um, big four companies over the years. Uh, and one of the first initiatives that we were involved in with a startup actually was invoicing and invoice financing. And if you have, if you take invoicing and then payments, then you, and and you record that and and you can uh, you, you know and you have that across companies. Again, it comes back to tax. It comes back to audit. You can kind of you, you have all the data there to really uh, to, you know way beyond what you would do in a sample audit as as they're done to date, right? So obviously this is a big this is a potentially a big change for for these companies and and, and it could change uh, their role and and that some of them are actually quite sophisticated. In, in their, their, their approach to blockchain and in the blockchain space and so on. So, you know, they, they, they're looking at this. But going back to what I said earlier about big business, you know, what's happening in the cryptocurrency space versus big business and actually dealing with assets and money in, the, in you know, and actually using the blockchain as, as the authentic uh, master ledger for these things. Uh, we're not there yet, right? There's still a long way to go. So I think like many businesses, they're kind of, they can see this point at the end, which looks, which is a different world for them. But at the same time, they can see that that's not going to happen anytime soon because of all the other, uh, you know, all, all, all the hurdles that need to be overcome. Yeah, I think it's a regulatory thing, right? The reason why it's going to change is because regula regulation is going to change. There's going to be more digital implementations. And I think what they need to do is to do the work correctly and uh, do it well and educate accountants in a new way. And I think it's very simple. And uh, I think over the past few years, we've seen uh, these big four companies also screw up a lot of things that they're actually already currently doing. So uh, let them focus on what they need to do and do it good. And then a change will come in themselves. You made him laugh here. Yeah. <laughs> That's my opinion. Focus on, maybe, on maybe your Dennis, primary Maybe Dennis works for one of them. I don't know. But uh, yeah. 
<laughs> I know, I, I know Dennis. Dennis, Dennis comes from, uh, uh, from not from, from one of the big four, but okay. his, uh, his background is there. Uh, so we have, um, he, he's one of them. <laughs> uh, we have, could the panelists share their thoughts on using blockchain for public institutional use, passports, property rights, taxes? Um, and I think that ties to, uh, that's all tremble, and that ties to a question with, from Mugdim. So how will smart contracts, blockchain change impact uh, and adoption for further growth of the uh, uh, implementation? And so far, smart contracts developed and use cases are still underdeveloped. So we have uh, smart contracts, and I think that ties to passports, maybe I'm wrong, um, or institutional used. So do you have some uh, cases that, that there's... Let, let, me, let me have a go at this one. So first of all, smart contracts, I think they're just rules for moving assets. Yeah. Right? So if you haven't got the, the, if you're not anchoring the asset in the blockchain and the actual legal ownership or, or the ability to move ownership of the asset through the blockchain, then the contract is of limited use, right? Uh, but, but then again, ultimately, once you get to that point where the, the asset is the record on the blockchain, then smart contracts can, can bring a lot of efficiency, right? Um, where, where governments come in, there's a few touch points. So there's identity, of course. There's the you know most identity in all the, in all developed uh, you know, uh, sovereign countries is, is anchored in the government. Um, I've never thought that the government needs a blockchain solution for this. I think the the government needs a digital and cryptographically sound solution for this that can be processed and absorbed by blockchains. Right. So if the government gives issues the identity or, or, or verifies it or digitally signs it, that's something that you can take to a private key that, you, that, that might be in a wallet. It's something you can take to a smart contract and process it there. I don't think the government needs to pick or choose a, a, a blockchain system in order to solve identity. That's, that, that, that's my view. Um, then you've got things like land registry, right, where the government is the registry of asset ownership. That, that's, I think, a lot more complicated. Uh, and, and that's, that, you know, the, the solution there probably is the government recognizing some sort of ledger or, help, or organizing or facilitating some sort of ledger, uh, which, which is the record of ownership, uh, of asset ownership. That, that, that's where it gets more complicated. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, actually. I, I, not, nothing to add. Ronald? No, also nothing to add. Identity, of course, is everything starts with identity if you're moving value, basically. All right, guys, so thank you very much. What I see is there are no further questions, so we have answered everything. Uh, it was quite uh, fun for me and I hope uh, for audience and I also hope you enjoyed this conversation as well. And uh, let's see where the world takes us. Perfect. Thanks, Thanks guys. Enjoy your weekend, all of you. And thank all of you for watching us. Till next time. Bye-bye. Thank you very much for listening, dear ladies and gentlemen. This was the fifth episode of Digital Business Disruptors, Distributed Ledger Technology for Business. In the sixth episode, we are going to focus on Industry 4.0 for Businesses. On 30th of February 2021, at 4 p.m. Central European time, we're going to discuss this subject with three field experts, T-Systems, SAP, and Siemens. In case you haven't registered yet, you can do so on our LinkedIn page. For now, this was Digital Business Disruptors, brought to you by Digital Savages, with your host, Amir Sabirovic. Stay safe and healthy, and until next time.